Hello, this is Joel Johnson with another Rainmaker podcast. Today I have a very special guest, Randy Becker, who hails from the Seattle area, and um, many of you have gotten to know him. Great guy. Uh, he and his wife has, have an amazing business up in, uh, like I said, uh, Washington, uh, greater Seattle area. Does a ton of marketing, and it's just all around uh, an awesome guy. So I'm looking forward to this. Before we get rolling here, I do want to remind you that from a compliance standpoint, anything you hear myself or Randy say uh, needs to be, if you act on that with the public, you need to run that through your compliance department. We all have different compliance people, and sometimes they differ on opinions, and so please do not come back to us or Advisors Excel if you have any kind of an issue uh, by implementing something that is said on this podcast. So with that said, welcome, Randy. Well, thank you very much, Joel. Um, I'm looking forward to this. I've been I've been uh, looking forward to this for a long time because I think you and Arwen have a a, a unique practice, one of the few I've seen work um, with two spouses uh, in the business. Um, I tried this a long time ago in the entertainment business, and my wife has only been fired from one job, and that was when she worked for me. So uh, I admire you, and I admire the Hollands. Uh, for being able to uh, pull that off. So let's get started by just saying, uh, who is Randy Becker? Tell us a little bit about yourself, what makes you tick, um, who you are as a business person and also uh, as a person. Oh, thanks a lot, Joel. Well, so Randy Becker is a guy that right now is just, you know, loving life. Uh, but I think the the important thing is that I'm a, a guy that's on a continual quest to become a better version of me. I'm seeking the balance. You know, I have done uh, our business for 32 years, and there's been periods in my life where, uh, and I know that people that are listening to this can understand where this becomes all-consuming. Weekends, what you're reading in the evening, what you do first thing in the morning, and uh, although I still have as much love and determination as I always have, I'm working still diligently now to be, uh, well, a, a great dad, a great husband, uh, a better person individually in good shape. And I think that that helps round out who I am even better. And then, you know, ironically, it contributes to even more success within the business. It's funny. It's like you're trying to push the string as hard as you can, but it doesn't go anywhere until you take a step back and kind of round things out a little bit. I would say that describes me. So along that line, I, I wanted to ask you about something we were talking about before we went live here. Tell me about two things, uh, physical fitness and your daily regimen, because I've noticed, uh, you know, since I met you, I don't want this to sound weird or anything, not that there's anything wrong with that, but, uh, you, you know, your, your physique, you're in much better shape, I think, if I, if I recall, than you were like five years ago. And so obviously there's some discipline there. And then we were just talking about how early you get up every day. So tell us a little bit about physical fitness, nutrition, and your daily regimen. Sure, sure. Well, First thing that is important to me is uh, I do like to get up early in the morning. I am uh, most energized in the early part of the day. And it doesn't make me better or worse than those people that are night owls and they just get a trillion things accomplished between the hours of 11 and 2 a.m. You know, it's just my time. So uh, because I've got kids at home still and our routine is Arwen and I are incredibly sequential, routinized people. Things stay in the same place. You know, we could always know where the other person put their keys if we're looking for the keys of the car or whatever. Just everything is the same. And that's kind of how I run my morning. So we get up at about uh, 4.30 to 4.45. 
and uh, both of us kind of still keep it dark. We're not doing a lot of talking or interacting at that time. We Our coffee is already going to be made, and we retreat off into our different corners. Now, uh, the first thing I do is I do not turn on the TV. I'm not about ready to plug into news. I do not check emails and things of that nature. I go straight into my devotional. I do a quick Bible study. It's just my quiet time. And, um, you know, I have, I, I use the, the, the YouVersion app on my iPad, and Arwen and I have uh, some that we do together, and then we have some individually, and I do maybe two or three at a time. And uh, it's, for me, it's awesome. And then uh, uh, I still will not turn on the news in the morning. It's going to be around 10 to 6, and I'm going to suit up and head into the gym. Um, one of the reasons why it was time for me to get into shape and how I got myself out of uh, shape before was, A, I had the mentality that I was still 28, even though by that time I was 48. And... Um, also, you know, I was just eating whatever I wanted. I was all consumed with business, and uh, I felt like I still looked okay in clothes and all of that stuff. It didn't matter, you know, um, what anyone else said. It was in my own head. And finally, it just came to this point in time where I'm going, man, this isn't working. The funny thing is I didn't have any indicator from a health standpoint or from being winded or whatever, and it, it took me a little longer to catch on. But when I joined a band and got on stage and I realized there was going to be a couple hundred people looking at me, I thought, man, I want to be in better shape and I want to be able to bounce around for three and a half hours. So I started working out with the motivation to look good on stage and uh, it translated into, hey, I like the way these new clothes fit and things of that nature. And so now, I mean, it's just part of what I do every day. So I work out five days a week. Um, I don't kill it every day, uh, but I do cardio and weights. And uh, then I also, um, I do the keto diet. And I'm, I wouldn't say I'm in ketosis all the time, but uh, the way I'm doing it at this point in time is just really totally minimal carbs and, uh, you know, keeping it light, keeping it simple. So that's sort of my routine. And then by the time we go to work, uh, I'm in the office, to be honest with you, about 8.30. My first appointment's at 10.00. And it's been a very relaxing way to enter into when it's time to go to work. And that's about, you know, 10 o'clock for me. When I say go to work, it's when I'm sitting down with my first client. Which I think all that's really instructive because I remember way back and, you know, I work with a train. I know some people are going, why the hell are they talking about this? Well, because this has a lot to do with success in business, right? So, you know, I started working with a trainer a few years back and I'm not as disciplined as you are, Randy. So... You know, if I left to my own device, you know, I have like a Smith machine at home and I've got the whole um, inversion table and all this kind of stuff. And you know what? I never use it. I have to get myself to the gym where there's a trainer that trains me and three other people at the same time because if I'm not there, I just won't do it. And I go there and in 45 minutes, I get what it would take me probably two hours to get as far as a workout goes. Um but, uh, you know, I think the point is here is, you know, by the time I get to the office or you get to the office, there's already like three hours that have gone by for quiet time, meditation, prayer, workout. 
just to make sure that, you know, the first thing that happens when we get up is we're not just blitzing to work, speak for myself, you know, not just getting to work, looking at what happens to the day with no kind of context to the day. And since I started doing that, I'm a lot more relaxed. Uh, my staff will say I'm a lot more relaxed. I'm not bouncing around, you know, interfering in their work when I should just let, be letting them do their work. And I also give myself permission if I've got downtime during the day to just relax. I don't have this guilt feeling that I have to be doing something all the time. So and I wanted to, I knew you had a, a routine there. And, uh, you know, I can't stress enough how important or helpful that has been to me to have some kind of a routine. I love it. Yeah, I mean, don't you notice that you're much more, for me, I'm so much more peaceful mentally and everything, too? Yeah, exactly. Uh, You get to a point in life where actually that's what you're seeking out. In fact, that translates a lot into the conversation I have with clients and my ability to kind of assimilate what the person that's sitting across from me is actually really seeking. And they're not seeking the difference between a 5% rate of return and a 525. They're looking for peace relaxation, being able to enjoy life, being able to enjoy moments, take it in. And the more I strive and work towards that, uh, the more that translates in my body language and in my communication style with the people that I'm talking to. So I'm doing it for true reasons because that's what I'm seeking. But we both know know there's going to be ancillary benefits that come from that as well. Yeah, and what you said there, I want to make sure I emphasize because we just had a sales meeting about this, but people want a feeling. Our clients want a feeling. They don't care if they get, like you said, a five or five and a quarter percent rate of return. We had a sales meeting with all our guys about three or four weeks ago maybe, and I said, you know, what do we sell? And that's what we sell. That's what people come to us for is that feeling, that peaceful, carefree, enjoying retirement feeling not a product or you know i can do a little bit better than the next guy or you know the perfect estate plan or tax reduction those are all the tools but what they really want is the feeling the feeling of confidence which is why when we get into the high-end area of planning you know people won't necessarily leave an advisor that hasn't done as well as we could do because that advisor makes them feel great and so I think, you know, you hit the nail on the head there with, with that. And I hope everybody listens to this picks up on that because we still have, even though we all kind of know, well, people want peace of mind and they want to, you know, the, begin with the end in mind and all that stuff. But then if I was to sit in on a lot of the meetings of a lot of advisors, they go right to the product, you know, right to the tools instead of you know, really digging in and finding out what is the client thinking. And, and, you know, that whole thing about I used to get impatient in meetings and so on, and that's just not a very client-centered way to approach these people. You know, I, I tell our guys also that you may have a 1,000 clients, but that client only has one advisor, and you better not screw that up because you can really mess their lives up or you can make their lives way better because of the interaction they have with you. So, Randy, t- awesome. tell me, let's let's go yeah. back five years. So, it, we're sitting here, it's 2019, 2014. Um, what did your business look like in 2014? Wow, it was interesting. So, uh, Arwen and I had been with uh, Advisors Excel for about two years at that point in time, maybe one and a half or something along that lines. Uh, I was the sole producer and presenter at that point moment. Uh, Arwen sat in on meetings, but really what she did is, you know, run our little company. 
And we had about 1,400 square feet. We had two staff. It was myself as well, and it was Arwen. Um, and uh, really, seminars were our primary focus. Um, I'm thinking about it. Referrals were few and far between. We got about two to three referrals a year. Uh, if I had five appointments in a week, I'd be lucky. So my calendar was Swiss cheese and things of that nature. And then another kind of oddity, it was a sign of the times as we had a tax practice. <laughs> Remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the $99 took, tax return. It took, yes. It took a lot of time and energy. You know, it paid for itself. Uh, I look back at it and uh, look as, look upon it as though, you know, it improved our processes. It really forced us, at least for the tax season, to run like a business. And we brought in about uh, three accountants at that point in time to do the tax returns and things of that nature. And it was really neat to have the buzz and the hum. Um, but it was there was so much, you know, um, overhead related to such little return. Um, not overhead in, in terms of dollars and cents, but just all the stuff to put tax returns together and uh, the minutia that, um, you know, I'm glad we're not doing that anymore. But it was pretty cool at the time. Yeah, our production was uh, just maybe pegging at about $10 million. Randy, is the $10 million annuity, or is it both annuity and investments? It was both. It was, it was at least 85 to 87% annuities, indexed annuities, and the rest okay. would be investments. And you were saying you guys were making a good living doing that? Yeah, you know, um, we've been profitable almost every year. Uh, I would say 2010 was a really strange year. Um, but, yeah, we were... Pulling down, uh, you know, be, be, I don't know what it exactly was. It might have been 350 to our tax return that year, and I think you can live in, you can live an okay life on that. It's hard in Kirkland and Seattle, I'll tell you that, but generally you can. Well, there's a lot of people living on a lot less, right? Which which uh, we've talked about before. We lose a little perspective in this business. You know, a problem is that all the first class seats are taken up on the plane when we're going to Italy on the free trip, right? So thank you so, very much, and I'm absolutely respectful of that. It's uh, <laughs> kind of strange how we get very jaded in our business. Yeah. So what does the firm look like now? You talked about back then, 1,400 square feet, bringing in about 10 million a year. You and Arwen, and you know, one or two staff people. What does it look like today? Well, uh, through the course of uh, you know just plugging in more to the AE way and the and journeys and things of that nature, first of all, it starts with that every single year we have a very well thought through, robust business plan. Arwen and I do a getaway. Our ours is scheduled for about two weeks from now. We're going to go to up to Canada, a place called Nanaimo. Uh, the family will be there. We'll have a house. And we're, we have a week where we're just going to tackle little minor items, brainstorm, think out loud, jot things down, um, re, you know, repeat what worked well and reinvent those things that didn't work well. And we're going to then, um, you know, be prepared to bring that home and share it with the team. Uh, the way our team is broken down, it's myself and Arwen as um, the co-CEOs. I I'm still at a point, and this is where things will get better, but I still do about 75% of the production and responsible for that amount of the revenue, according to uh, Track That Advisors. Uh, but Arwen is the chief rainmaker. So she's making uh, almost all of the leads. She does uh, 30 women events in a year and about eight um, retirement planning events. So I do the 
you know, regular retirement events as well, and I do lunch and learns. Um, we have a director of operations. We have two additional advisors that are doing pretty well. They've started with us in January, so they're kind of ramping up, but they've taken a lot of weight off my shoulders. We have a service advisor who's cranking, doing well. Marketer, uh, we have two processors, and we have a front desk team that helps support uh, marketing, um, and she does uh, the diamond team support. That's my little sort of copy of what supports me uh, that you taught us at Rainmaker. So it's a total of 11 of us, including ourselves. Uh, we're doing, we're on pace to do 42 and a half million this year. Right now we're at 39 and maybe we do a little bit better. Maybe we come in a million shy. So yeah, we have about 7,000 square feet because we, uh, have two functioning offices uh, right now. Our main one is in Bellevue. Our satellite office is in Bothell. And then we just opened some new space for uh, our training center, Arwen's training center for her new training company, and a little bit more administrative uh, space so that we can capture more client meeting rooms in our core office. And it's kind of neat. Uh, our Bellevue office, we were able to just get 2,500 more square feet right next door. So we built it out to, uh, you know, match exactly our kind of corporate feel that we have here. So it sounds like you guys are at least four times the size in almost every way from five years ago. You've got 11 employees instead of two or four, depending on how you count it. You've got much more in the square footage area. You've got you've got four times the production what would you say are the main factors if you were to pick like the top two or three things that contributed to that success? Well, uh, it's interesting. Uh, five years ago, this month is the anniversary that we moved into our new space. And uh, we do not by any chance have this, uh, you know, glitzy over the top office, but we have a very nice, um, you know, if our shoe size was a 10, um, we bought a 14. We leased out a 14. So we knew we were going to grow into it. kind of call it the Cody Foster effect because I heard him talk about this several times. And um, so that was step one is to have a really uh, – an office that when people came in, you know, they felt that there was substance here. Uh, additionally, um, incorporating a CPA into our practice. Um, it's, uh, it's funny. It's like Roth conversions. You talk about them a lot and you do them periodically, but it's not as much as you, you know, you're basically talking about them 16 times a week and you might do it twice a month. Having a CPA in our practice doesn't mean that she sits down with basically all of our clients, but our clients love the thought that she's here. Uh, loves the thought that when we sort of brainstorm a tax strategy, mini Roth conversions or uh, little things that we're going to do while somebody's in the tax valley, I like to call it, from the age of 60 to 70, you know, I'll say that I'll come up with the idea, but the CPA will say grace on it and run it through a tax return or something of that nature. And they love that. So that's been a big change. Um, and then lastly, I think there's been some conversation about this, but the last two years, Arwen's been making it rain like crazy cats and dogs around here with leads. And um, that has been amazing. Our calendars are stacked. So, of course, that makes all the difference in the world. 
So three things there you said. So one is uh, new space. You upgraded your space so that you had much more of a feel of, of, of a substantial firm for the clients. And also I'm sure that helps with the employees. Second is incorporating that CPA into the practice. And then Arwen just seeing herself or you guys um, having her in a position where she's just creating appointment after appointment after appointment. And the other thing I like about you know what you guys have done, you and Arwen have done is I feel like – now, obviously, I haven't been out there. I haven't seen your office. I haven't seen your events. But I feel like from what I've seen that you guys have created this organization that is you, right? It's not – you're not trying to be somebody else. You're getting ideas from other people. But, you know, I saw a little snippet of an event that, that Arwen had done, and it's it's pure her. Like it's she's the same person doing that event as the person I know from from the meetings we get together with and so on. And – and I think a lot of people in this business miss that. They miss the fact that people are attracted to genuineness and, and authenticity. And when I was young in the business, I was always trying to be somebody else, you know, trying to be polished or trying to be um, uh, that knowledgeable CPA that went to, you know, Cornell or, you know, that whole deal. And um, what I see with you guys, and, you know, I've found that the key to this business is just be yourself and you'll attract enough people and the people that you don't attract, so what? And that's what I see with you guys. Um, you know, one of the compliments I have for you is just, you guys are just you. And it's like a take it or leave it thing. And it's incredibly attractive for people we're trying to make clients or you're trying to make clients. I mean, that would be my guess. Do I have that right? Do you feel like that's where you guys are? Man, Joel, that is incredibly intuitive. Um, it is as accurate as you can be. And uh, you're talking to the guy just like you. You and I are very much the same demographic, right? And so I went through the same uh, period of time where I was just like you. I needed to be polished. I needed to know everything about all the technicalities and things of that nature. And I wasn't doing the greatest job of just being me. And, you know, it's exhausting. Um, yeah, no now, kidding. It's <laughs> The type of clients that we attract, I mean, you couldn't have said it any better. They fall literally in love with Arwen. And there are going to be advisors out there where it just doesn't work that way. That's not how they're built. But um, the funny thing is Arwen's an introvert, by the way. But they just, so they fall in love with her. And then they transition over to me in the sales process after that first initial visit. I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit more. And they fall in love with me because Arwen loves me and I love Arwen and they like that vibe. Mm -hmm. And then that gets out of the way. Don't get me wrong. It's not just a love fest all through the sales process. But what it does is it sets people in a frame of mind where they just go, okay, I like how I feel. Now let's talk. And it's like, you know, imagine somebody just unfolding their arms and just relaxing and saying, okay, tell me how you can help me accomplish what it is I'm trying to accomplish. Because they just feel really good about that vibe. So, and that comes right back to what you said. We're good at doing us. And we're attracting the kind of clients that like us. And also, if it's not that type of client, we're um, politely not really going to engage if they're not going to be part of kind of our part of our family, uh, we're not going to flex to be what they need us to be. And then we're right back to being exhausted again, trying to make them happy. Well, and the awesome thing about, you know, just being yourself during the sales process and during the marketing process is now when somebody's been a client for two or three or four years, you don't have to worry about, oh, they're going to find out who we really are. 
they're going to find out that we don't ha- quite have it together as you know so you're constantly running this facade right you've got to keep up the theater and you've got to seem like you know what you're talking about and and if you didn't do that in the beginning yeah. if you were just yourself then you don't have to you know what you see is what you get and it's it's been you know I wish I would have figured that out early in my career but you know I just wanted to say that about you guys cuz you know I I noticed that very early on uh in getting to know the both of you so you know, if, again, our listeners, um, if you can pick up on that, there's just a, an amazing amount of freedom that comes when you just relax. You have to have the faith that the business will come to you if you do the right thing and if you just relax and be yourself. And, you know, then it also removes that whole thing of, okay, I'm in my sales process. They're going to say this, so I better say this. And what do I say to overcome that objection? And for me, I've gotten to the point where I don't really care if they buy or not. You know, it's just, <laughs> just if, if they want to do business with us, great. If they don't, that's okay too. There's not this mental game that goes on that used to go on with me 15 or 20 years ago where, you know, I had these scripts to overcome the objections and I had all this proof and so on. So um, it truly is a, a, a way. And, you know, I, if somebody would have told me this 20 years ago, Randy, I probably wouldn't have got it. I think we have to yeah. be in a certain place in this business to really get that. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, another contributing factor to that is not only uh, just understanding who you are, understanding your attributes. And one of mine is that I'm a very repetitive person. I can do the same thing over and over and over. Look, I'm a guitarist. I've played the same song, you know, since uh, 1995, and I still love it just as much, you know. And when you take that into the sales process, um, and you repeat, like I was used to say, um, Arwen would laugh at the same joke I told for about 20 years at my seminars, you know, yeah. and, um, uh, and I, I, I can really stick with the routine and that's again, just knowing who you are and saying the same things and saying, staying with the process. And that's, I just thought I'd add that a little bit. So we've kind of gotten into the, the vibe of your sales process. Let me back up just a minute and, and talk about the marketing. Yeah. So I know you guys do women's events. Arwin kind of does the women's events and then appointments are created. Um, are you doing direct mail or digital advertising to get people to those? Or how are you getting people to the events? Yeah, you know what's working right now for us is uh, the hybrid where we're doing um, – between 5,000 and 10,000 pieces, depending on what size of room we want to fill, and then backfilling it with the Facebook campaign. Now, at the moment, we're using Acquire, and we're having some pretty great success. Um, and uh, last week, Arwen did an event, and I was like, was something's wrong here, when they were showing me the lead jig. You've heard of that system? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. Our staff just, uh, our marketer just loves it, and she's really embraced how to use it pretty well. And so they were having their marketing breakout right after mm-hmm. our uh, Rockstar team meeting that we have on Friday, on uh, Monday morning. And there were 105 um, total responses for each day. It was about 105 for the Tuesday event that she had last week and 110 for the Thursday the problem is this is one of our smaller venues. Maximum capacity was 30. So, <laughs> okay. um, yeah. So if, uh, evidently, um, you know, there's some pretty good effectiveness with that hybrid approach. And, and uh, they had to do some shucking and jiving to figure out what to do there. But 
also remember that digital kind of is self-healing because there's a really big fall off from digital. Direct mail still sticks, but uh, our digital has a pretty good fall off, way more than 50%. Yeah, same here. We get about uh, we end up with about twenty on the low side, twenty percent, but usually around thirty five percent show up. So, you know, that's the trick. Yeah. There is um, for us is if we're going to combine the two, we haven't tried to combine the two yet. We haven't done direct mail and Facebook ads to the same event. But if we're going to do that, for me, I have to have somebody in the marketing department that as those registrations come in. They're comfortable with uncertainty because it's a dance. You know, you might have a room with 40 people and 60 show up or 20 show up. And if, if you know, right now our person that does this is really good at what they do. Her name's Christine. She's awesome. Never a mistake or anything. But one of the reasons she's go, so good at what she does is because she just nails everything down. She knows exactly that it's going to be predictable and so on and so forth. It's hard for her to operate like I do, which is just kind of going through your day winging it, um, which is where I'm the best, right? And so, yeah. you know, if you're doing this digital mixed with direct mail, um, we haven't tried that yet. We haven't tried both. I shouldn't say that. Acquire enhances our direct mail um, when we don't think the registrations are going to be high enough. But in order, you know, we haven't done it in a systematic way like you guys. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up about the fall off. I think that's the other reason why people say, oh, the Facebook ad thing doesn't work is because they can't deal with the fall off. But that's just how it works. That's the expectation. So, you know, if you set your expectations proper, then I think... It makes sense. And obviously, you guys are having massive success um, with it. Are you doing anything? So let's just talk about your marketing channel. So you're doing these women's events where you're doing direct mail mm-hmm. and Facebook ads. Are you doing yes. any radio or TV or anything like that? Uh, not yet. We have done radio, and we did it for about a year and a half. And that concluded late last year when our um, numbers came in to be at about 1.2 ROI. Yeah, you know, so and and one point two doesn't bother me if it's a twelve hundred dollar monthly expense, but here in our um, city, it's, it's like two thousand dollars a week. Yeah, and um, so that was cool because I, I still look back at it and go, "What a fantastic, awesome success!" Because of the credibility um, and the ability to reuse it and um, the authority that comes along with it. So. Uh, but we are capturing the names of uh, all those extra people that sign up on Facebook and the emails. We're not uh, doing anything with it yet that we should be doing other than inviting them to the next event. But pretty soon, um, and when I say that, I'm, I'm meaning this is kind of what we're doing when we get away for our business planning for 2020 is we're saying, okay, we're starting to capture a database of names. How can we, you know, organically market to those? Uh, TV. I got to get Arwen on TV. So again, 2020, I think will be the year where we, uh, not only do we have the budget for that, but we're at a point where we're going to have all these great people who like you, who've paved the way. Here's how you want to do it best. Um, I like kind of coming in and doing it second or third in line and letting you trailblazers, um, do all lose the R&D money. And Lo- spend lose the money. a whole bunch. Yeah, lose a whole bunch of money on R and D. That's a really good business plan. So yeah, that's what's going on right now uh, with our marketing channels. But client events and referrals off the hinges. Tell us about the client events and the and the referral events. So 
it's really hard to um, uh, you know to get your arms around this, but it, it, once again, it's kind of a fact. Women, since Arwen is doing so many women events, and now it's had enough time to get a lot of traction. What did she develop? Uh, she generated something like 450 leads as of June 30th, according to Track That Advisor. Wow. So what happens is, remember, guys get together. Wait, can I can I ask you a question say, about that? Is a lead an appointment? For you guys, no, uh, that a lead, a lead was somebody that said, "Yep, uh, I'll come in Tuesday at 11. So okay. yes, I guess I should say it was an appointment, but that's not stick. Yeah, I understand. Okay, so so a lead is somebody that set an appointment. So 450 people set an appointment, which is amazing. So go ahead. I did, I just wanted to clarify that. 434 to be specific. Yeah. Okay. All right, so now, just going back to the mentality of what gals do when they get together, I hope I don't get myself in trouble. I'm not trying to generalize here, so don't get me wrong, but I'm a man. So I go out with you, Joel, and we go and get a cup of coffee. We're going to go watch uh, the Seahawks game as they pummel New England. And um, so (laughs) I know I'm fantasizing just a little bit, so just bear with me. So anyway, uh, so what are we going to do? We're going to chat for about five minutes. We're going to talk a little business. It's going to stay relatively superficial. We'll talk cars, guitars, and then we're going to stare at the game. Gals get together. Am, am I going to get myself in trouble here? So here's what I'm thinking. If, if, you are, think if, if you are, we're both in the parts of the country that will be perfect. I'm in the Northeast and you're in the Seattle area. So we'll be... If you guys okay. don't hear from us right. li- listening to this, if by the time you're listening to this, you haven't heard from us in a while, this is why. Okay. but And I mean this completely lovingly, but what they do is they're great at socializing. They get together. They visit. They Then they say, I met this amazing gal, Arwen. I went to this event. I didn't necessarily want to go, but Jan talked me into coming, and she was bringing Peggy. We had the most amazing evening. It was so fun. Oh, what was it all about? Oh, gosh, I thought I was going to go to some boring financial presentation, but it was just this inspiring, amazing thing. It gave me so much hope, and I just trusted her, and I loved her. And, oh, God, i got to have her number and her name and things of that nature. Joel, can you imagine you and I having that conversation? Not really. No, We might pass the name back and forth. This is why we've had – gosh, I need the number uh, because I hate to just quote things out of my butt, so to speak, but uh, referral – so at the as of the uh, I got it, we had uh, 37 referrals as of June 30th, and I think I told you that in 2012 when you were saying what did it look like, we probably had three referrals for the year. Yeah, wow, that's that's incredible. And again, going back yeah. to that, you've built your marketing in a way that's genuine to who you are, right? Which is incredibly attractive. Um, which is awesome. Yeah, I, I noticed the whole difference between men and women thing when our kids were playing baseball, right? And, you know, the moms and the dads would all be at the baseball game, and the dads are watching the baseball game, and they're trying to get their kids to do the right thing and blah, blah, blah. The moms have no idea what's going on in the game. They're just, you know, chatting with each other and having such a great time. They're visiting, and they're talking. And, like, you know, if somebody gets a big hit and everybody cheers, it's kind of a... a it's like a distraction to what's really going on, and and so yeah, that's huge. And I tell you, we I'm so excited. We just hired our first woman advisor. We've been trying so hard um, to hire a woman advisor, and and I don't know why 
there's not a bigger pool of women that want to be advisors or they just don't apply. We've tried so hard. We finally have this woman named Heather um, who's awesome so far, and uh, I'm really excited. She's starting to introduce Alex as he does um, the women's events, and I hope in the next 60 to 90 days she's doing the women's events and we can get on that in a much more systematic way. Right now, it's just kind of a hit-and-miss thing because I don't have a lot of confidence that we're doing that as well as we as we could. So so you've talked about the women's events. you talked about referrals. Um, what was the third thing you said? Um, well, it was client, client events. events. Um, yeah. They've been pretty good for us this year. Uh, our big one that we did was David Bach's uh, uh, book rollout, The Latte Factor. We happened to be his last stop. Arwen and him are pretty close. They have a nice friendship. And so Arwen decided to just reach deep into the budget and make it a, a rockin' event. Uh, I played some music there with our uh, MC, who is a local musician as well. We played him a song, and uh, we just uh, really rolled out a great venue and things of that nature, and uh, it was fun. We had not only our clients and their guests, but I think we had something like um, 150 people just from the community. We ended up getting... Uh, you know, a decent number of of uh, leads from it. Not the best at at uh, uh, I guess having a client event where you're schmoozing, schmoozing and glad handing and things of that nature, and all of a sudden you just get a whole ton of leads. Maybe one of these days I can understand that better. But I am smart enough to know that there is a glue factor that's occurring more than just a direct. I spent ten thousand on the cakes and the punch, and now I want to have leads and make. 50000 on, you know, new business. But there's just this uh, unspoken part of the recipe, and it's the glue and the relationship and them getting to see us with our hair down and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean, and I think that's not to be um, uh, brushed over too quickly. The more we all get into the assets under management business, the more I think we all realize, or certainly we have, that that money can walk out the door very easily. And it's a lot harder to yeah. get a client than to keep a client. And at our firm, we've been so, you know, the way we've built this firm is just marketing, 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 bringing in new clients, bringing in new clients. And, and we've been making a conscious effort over the last couple of days to sp- or a couple of years to spend a lot more time with our clients. So we're doing client events without the purpose of getting new clients. You know, if they bring a friend, that's great. We'll let the friend come. But the real purpose of those client events, the, the ones I'm speaking of right now, are to keep the relationship engaged, to keep that feeling that people had when they became a client because that feeling can fade. And um, that feeling can especially fade if my firm and my advisors have a, uh, a culture of bringing in new business all the time. And you look at some of these firms. I know a guy that's a coach to advisors around the country, and his whole thing is, you know, you build up $100 million under management, and then you get one new client every month that has at least a $1 million. Well, what a contrast to what we're doing, which is getting, you know, 40 new clients a month. And, and, and I think in the past we've been ignoring some of the existing clients. The people have made a commitment to us. So that, that glue factor of just serving the clients, having events just for them, maybe it can be a client bring a friend event. But if no friends came, who cares? Um, honor the clients and they will stick with you. Keep creating relevant content, we found, and they'll stick with you. And by the way, that relevant content does not have to be about financial planning. You know, it can be about 
other things, you know, what the top 10 things that other retirees do in retirement or, you know, whatever. It doesn't have to – everything we do does not have to revolve around financial planning. And that's the sense I get when you're talking about these events that you and Arwen do is that it's just so deep into the relationship. And financial planning is, oh, yeah, it's sort of this thing over here that Randy and Arwen take care of for me. Um, it's like a side thing, right? They're into the relationship. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. So true. So if we were sitting here three years from today, well, let me just back up. Is there anything else before I kind of get into to, you know, summary mode here, Randy? Is there anything else about the before, during, and after units, your, your marketing, your sales, and your structure of your company and the way it operates that you want to bring up here that you think would be helpful well, I think it's still go. Uh, the only thing I have is the important uh, of the, the importance of the basics, the the one hundred and one stuff. Uh, everyone's coaches have told them uh, define your process, uh, run your process, and fine tune it along the way, and then rinse and repeat. And I would say that that's one thing that's going on around here that I can look back on and say that that's been really successful for us. I think that's important. And another thing. I got one, one other thing, and that is we have a lot of conversation about uh, production and revenue, and uh, we have um, kind of moderate conversations about profitability. And I don't know, Arwen and I were at some event in about uh, the year 2003 or four. right? We were, you know, newly together, just had gotten married in 2004, and somebody was uh, talking about profitability, and her and I both looked at each other and said, you know what? Our goal is to be profitable at all times, and uh, at least I know we all measure that uh, using Track That Advisor or our own other sources. That's something I can say about Arvin and I and our business is we've always focused on profitability. Yeah, and I think that is really important. You know, there's there's two pieces to this. I was told this by a coach a long time ago: is that your revenue is your value to the marketplace. That's what the market is willing to pay for the services. Your profitability is is how effective you are at running a business. And, you know, people's revenues can go up and down, but if you're making the same profit or more profit, then that's a good thing. If you're making less profit every year, then it doesn't really matter what your revenues are unless you're buying business with a long-term out, uh, outlook. But I don't think that's what we're both talking about here. It's, you know, you're right. We do not focus... For the most part, in fact, some people don't even know their revenues. You know, I'll say, well, you know, how'd you do last year? Well, I did twelve million of annuity premium. Okay. Well, how'd you do the year before? Well, I did eight, so I'm fifty percent better. Well, are you? Are you fifty percent better? Maybe not. You know, maybe your business was a disaster and just this chaos trying to get to the fifty percent increase in production. And that doesn't necessarily does the insurance companies a lot of good, but doesn't necessarily do you a lot of good. So I'm glad you brought that up. It's so important, and I see this around the AE system. People are becoming better and better business owners, and I think that's awesome because it doesn't serve any of us to do lousy business owners that are measuring the wrong things. And that's why it's so important that, like you said, you track that, you know, you track your numbers through the track your advisor system because some, when I started in this business, it was like, okay, if I have money at the, in the checkbook at the end of the month, I'm doing good, and if I don't, I didn't do good enough. I had no clue of what was going on. So. Um, kudos to you guys and to a lot of the people in our Rainmaker group because they're they're really becoming really really good business owners. Um, let's let me ask the last question I like to ask here because I know you guys have thought this through and it might not be the three year time period it might be the five year time period but 
whatever – when you look out into the future and plan, whether it's three years or five years, if we were sitting here talking, let's say three years from now, um, but feel free to change my period of time. If we were sitting here talking three years from now, what would had to have happened for you guys to be happy with where you're at? Okay, excellent. I have a, have, uh, I'm going to be defining that even in more detail because we have done our vivid vision and that comes due December 31st of 2020. So it's really cool how that has played out quite well. But if you ask me as of today and go three years forward more from that, one of the things I'm going to be doing is taking alleviating more of the weight of production from my shoulders. I would like to see that down to only 25% responsible for the gross revenue of the firm versus today, which is 75. Maybe it's even less, but I, I don't see myself uh, uh, being um, away from the face-to-face client interaction because uh, that's what keeps me alive. I like that. So I've taken a, the burden, however, off of you know I uh, do or die, so to speak. Another thing is I want full capacity utilization in my office space. So at that point in time, I have some spaces like my front desk and my Bothell office isn't occupied. There could be you know someone meeting and greeting there, making phone calls and getting all that stuff ready. I have um, space for three more advisors and four more support. And when that is clicking along, I see no reason why I won't be north of 100 million of production. By that time, we'll uh, have the magic number, the 100 million of AUM. Um, you know, we're not there yet, but I don't see any reason why we wouldn't be there in three years. Uh, in fact, probably sooner. And I'll probably be down to three days um, and working about 40 weeks per year. So it is, um, it's getting that to the point uh, where the business is um, kind of a lifestyle uh, mechanized business that is uh, at working at a relaxed pace. Um, it's probably more like a value company than it is a growth company at that point in time. Uh, highly profitable and just, I don't know, chill. That's a highly business tech, technical business term, but it's just chill. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Randy, I got to say, you guys, you you and Arwen are a real inspiration to me, not only from uh, watching your growth, but seeing your character, you know, your character and your enthusiasm and your genuineness. And, um, you know, I I can use more of that. And uh, so you're an inspiration to me. And I appreciate you guys being in the Rainmaker group. Uh, I know you've helped a ton of people, so I'm so glad you joined. And uh, my best to you. And um, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much, Joel. Look forward to seeing you soon.